This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Bogue. Hey, Joris. How you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Who do we have on the pod today? Well, today uh, we've got Randy Altschuler, and Randy is the CEO of uh, Zometry. And Zometry is a more very rapidly expanding uh, startup that's uh, a 3D printing uh, service. And Randy started uh, in uh, kind of investments and banking, things like that, moved over to the startup world. Already eight years ago, founded uh, Zometry, and that company has been doing, well, uh, a lot of very disruptive stuff since. So, so welcome to the 3D Pod, Randy. Thank you, George. Great to be here. So, so, so first, a little bit about the, the, the founding story of, of, uh, of Zometry. I mean, how did you come to set up the business? Yeah, and I, I do need to correct something you said in the beginning. Oh, oh, so yeah. we, we are not a 3D printing service. We are mm-hmm. a marketplace uh, for okay, on-demand okay. manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And we certainly offer 3D printing and, and are very excited about all the innovation in 3D printing. But we offer a lot of other manufacturing processes like machining and sheet metal, mm-hmm. injection mm-hmm. molding, die casting. Those sort of the full range of, of manufacturing technologies that, that so many companies and, and customers are looking for. Okay, okay. I think, uh, I think, I think, I think well, we could go into that. I'd like to jump into that because I think that's interesting. That you, because For us, you're a 3D printing service, of course, because that's how when we use you. But yeah, you definitely want to do much, much broader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and, we, and we, we are much broader. So, uh, you know, certainly when you see uh, the number of customers we have, and the technologies they avail themselves of. You know, 3D printing is is a fascinating technology. Uh, it's an emerging one, but in the grand uh, landscape of, of overall manufacturing, it's still an emerging one. In our plan and uh, to, to be that one-stop shop for our buyers, mm-hmm. um, offering sort of a full range is, is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. And it's helped us grow. You mentioned we grow rapidly. You know, we went public at the end of June. So we're now a publicly traded company and, and sort of the leading marketplace for on-demand manufacturing. Did you go public the normal way or did you SPAC? Or no, no, we went public the normal way. We okay. uh, <laughs> was led by uh, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and UBS were our lead, uh, lead underwriters. And then we had uh, four other banks that were uh, part of this syndicate as well. Uh, so... So uh, you mentioned the one-stop shop thing. We we definitely get that more often from services and stuff. And like, okay, it seems like easy or convenient, right? I, I get my CNC from my same place. I get my stamping from or something. Like that. Is is that really true? Is that really like the one-stop? What's the logic behind the one-stop shop thing? Is it efficiency? Is it is it easy use? What, what's the deal? Yeah, I think it's sort of all of the above, and it, and it's a similar trend you've seen in in other e-commerce enabled. Sort of marketplaces like uh, you know retail or or payments or travel, and you know w- one of the problems we're trying to solve. So we're we're a two sided marketplace. We're very focused on both our buyers, mm-hmm. the customers who are buying on demand parts, and we're also focused on our sellers. And those are our manufacturers. It could be a three D printing bureau, but but we have a lot more CNC shops or molders and casters uh, mm-hmm. in our in our marketplace and in our network. Um, so for the customer, and this is a $260 billion market, they're mm-hmm. buying lots of parts. And mm-hmm. each transaction tends to be expensive for them to make. So forget about the mm-hmm. cost of the actual part uh, or parts or assembly. or uh, mm-hmm. 
but just looking for the right supplier, uh, Mm -hmm. negotiating with that supplier, trying to optimize their price and their lead time. That's that's a very expensive endeavor if you're doing it all the time and, and in great quantity. So the ability for the customer to get to use the Zometry Marketplace as the go-to place for all of these needs. And for us, mm-hmm. and you know, we endeavor to reduce or remove all the friction to make it really simple. And we use AI to make it an instant process. That's super powerful for them. And, um, and the more and more that we can do that, the more and more they can um, optimize their pricing and lead times, but also reduce the burden on their own teams, procurement teams, to try to source uh, these kinds of parts. So to you, and then, then all of a sudden there's like an internal logic to this network you're building, right? The more suppliers you have, the more variation, the more different prices, the more right. technology. It kind of like reinforces itself, right? Yeah, they call that the flywheel effect or the network mm-hmm. effect. Uh, and absolutely, and that's the beauty of a marketplace model uh, as you bring in, just as you described it, uh, as you bring in more sellers or manufacturers, you give more options for the buyers. And you get uh, more competitive pricing and lead times. You also just get more fulfillment options. And then, of course, if that's all there, then you're going to get more buyers. And then if there are more buyers, then, well, the sellers want to want to come in, too. So it, it, it does reinforce itself. How are you vetting the sellers? Like, how do you ensure that your sellers are of the quality that you leave them to be? Yeah, that's very important because we are a B2B marketplace. And 30% of the Fortune 500 are our customers. So... Uh, for them and all of our, all the companies that order from us, quality is absolutely paramount. So it begins with uh, obviously, you know, questionnaires, making sure we know their certifications, verify the equipment that they have. Um, we then put them through tests. So depending on which technologies they say that they want to uh, take work from, we're going to test them on those uh, manufacturing technologies. And then once they join us, uh, we have a automated way uh, to actually score that 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 seller, that manufacturer, and we kind of take them uh, take them through baby steps to do more and more work and different kinds of work, both from a complexity and a quantity perspective. So it's an it's an evolution, um, and we've got a, a what we call PSS score, a partner success score. We assign to the seller based on different. Uh, characteristics or, or or different things that they do are they on time how's the quality how's the responsiveness how's the engagement and that helps guide what they can and cannot take so it, it's a scalable way to build a high quality uh, network example if someone says they offer tooling services do you actually have them do a test tool for you essentially and they make a tool and injection molds and parts and send it to you guys to inspect we have a bit yeah in the end we have to validate they they can do what they say they can do yeah um and so that that's that's absolutely critical to me i think isn't there like also an agency dilemma if you have kind of a platform like this where like the the you actually want me the partner to make the least amount of money or or that i want to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money or something isn't that isn't that also an issue i mean i understand the rating system would be a way to circumvent this partially but and I'm not sure I'm following exactly what you mean. So can you, I'm sorry, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, just that there's like an agency dilemma in the sense that I want to do as little work as possible. And you want to actually, well, you, you care about the prices being as low as possible on your platform, not necessarily about me making a living, let's say. Yeah, that, look, that would be, and again, we're a two-sided marketplace, so it would be counterproductive. The power of what we can deliver to the buyers comes from the sellers. To your your point, you know, we don't care about the sellers making a living, we absolutely do. Because if those sellers aren't delighted 
to work with us and don't want to work with us, then we're not going to be able to service the buyer. So we, we, we absolutely need to figure out how to make those sellers happy. But it also goes back to the, the thing that empowers our entire marketplace. And you asked in the beginning about what, why do we do this? Well, there's this huge market, a $260 billion market that is heavily fragmented and dominated by hundreds of thousands of small manufacturers spread out across the United States, across Europe, and across the world. And there was, before Zometry, no efficient way for buyers to find the optimal seller, the optimal manufacturer. And the long tail of the internet hadn't hit these, hadn't touched these people. So these small manufacturers were watching people in retail and other industry, the service industry benefit from technology, benefit from the internet, and they weren't, they weren't there. So, and it's very inefficient. So when a customer goes to three different machine shops and asks them for a price for, let's say, a $10,000 order of machine, five axis parts. They could get prices from the three that are going to vary by 100% and lead times that vary by 100%. So part of the, the issue here is, is finding for that buyer the seller that really can is the best option to make these parts. And using artificial intelligence, we're able to gather more and more data and learn. We use a machine learning. We're able to learn who that right manufacturer or seller will be for that particular order. That enables the customer, the buyer, to get a good deal, you know, a, a best-in-class deal. But it also enables the seller or the manufacturer to make what is something that's right in his or her sweet spot. And you guys know a lot of that is about what are you really good at? Manufacturing has lots of different parts to it. And some people are really good at particular materials. They're good at, at, at you know, certain industries, etc. So if we can find that seller, that manufacturer, the parts that really it's their sweet spot, it's going to be a higher margin for them. And they're actually going to be doing better than the traditional way where they're trying to, you know, find they're usually limited to the local customer base and are sort of at the mercy of what that local customer base gives them, whether or not it really fits their, their capability. So So I like that idea that you could find, maybe I'm really good at doing one particular thing, brass stamping, I don't know. And then I could find a global customer base and I'll fill up 100% of my work. What I think is interesting is that you guys, like we've got Fictive and we've got Shapeways and Hubs uh, and, and these kind of platforms. And they all seem to at one point take a chance of saying, okay, either I'm a community or I'm a service. And you guys are explicitly a platform. Is that, is that marketplace, yes. Yeah, all marketplace. Yeah. So, and yeah, why we, is that we, different? I mean, it's the Amazon of manufacturing. That, yeah. There you go. There you mm -hmm. go. It's completely different. We, we are a two sided marketplace. We also have a, a, a basket of seller services. And it goes back to a question asked in the beginning. We, we, we care as much about our sellers mm -hmm. as we do our buyers. Uh, and so we have a whole suite of services to help our sellers uh, be more competitive and grow their businesses. So, for example, if you're a small manufacturer, your buying power to buy the, the material you need, the tools, uh, is, is very low. You don't have the buying power. You're small, so your operating costs are inherently higher. Uh, via the Zometry marketplace, we, we allow people to buy those things at reduced cost. So we effectively operate as a, a group purchasing organization. So that, that goes right to our seller's bottom line. Now they're buying the aluminum they need at a lower cost. That means they're more profitable. Some of that profitability goes right in their pocket, but that also can be shared with now, now the buyers, the customers uh, have a better deal. And of course, you know, there's, there's, the margin there for zometry as well and then we've got other products like financial products 
that help our, our sellers with their cash flow and enable them again to, to have more dollars to invest in growing their business, to buy that latest piece of equipment. They're a traditional manufacturer. They want to buy a 3D printer. They can go out and buy a 3D printer with the money that we're, we're saving them and helping them optimize their cash flow. So we are the well, leading the leading marketplace out there. And candidly, I don't know any other two-sided marketplace out there in on-demand manufacturing. So it's, uh, you know, we're, again, we, we went public traditional way. We've, we've been growing very rapidly and, uh, you know, we're going to use the IPO and, and our, our market leading position to continue to, to grow that lead and, and expand. And you seem to be expanding like geographically now, like moving towards Europe and, and, and beyond. Is that, is that the, the, the future or? Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, in the first six months this year, we reported that our revenue in Europe grew six and a, uh, five and a half times what it was in 2020. So we've been growing very rapidly in Europe. Uh, we also announced in our Q2 earnings call that we were going to be accelerating our entrance to uh, into the Asia Pac region. So right now we sell to uh, North American customers, we sell to European customers, and within the next six months we'll be selling to Asian customers as well. So you have sellers though in all of those markets currently, right? We do, we do. We're, we're, the overwhelming majority of our sellers are uh, in country or in continent. So most of what we do in the United States is is uh, is produced by American sellers. Um, and likewise in Europe, we have a network in Europe. Uh, so right now we use uh, Asia to a limited extent to service American and uh, or North American and European customers. Uh, but you know what we want to build is a a network. To serve local Asia Pac customers with an Asia Pac network, because uh, ultimately for our customers, the local option and local defined as in country or again maybe in continent, that's mm-hmm. usually their first choice. Uh, there are certainly uh, pros and cons of of uh, using overseas as well, and some customers use that, but it's it's not the the first choice of our of our buyers. And and how does it work? Like when you you couple these people together, I mean, okay, the algorithm kind of assigns the right person to the right thing. And then how does it work from a customer service perspective? Uh, like, does a seller do all the customer service? What happens if there's like problems with orders and things? Yeah, so similar. Going back to the Amazon analogy, similar. We, we are the the customer service, so we'll guarantee that price and that lead time. Uh, and if there's an issue, we're we're going to be responsible for resolving it. Uh, it goes back to the problem that we're trying to solve for a lot of our customers. So a lot of our buyers, they're used to this $260 billion industry is, is, is buyers buying from small manufacturers, and that's not an efficient process. So our buyers are coming to us because they want to find a better way to do that. They, 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 they don't want to have to interact with scores of small manufacturers. If, if they can streamline all that through the marketplace and we can handle that for them, that's super attractive. Uh, and likewise, for the sellers, if they don't have to deal with some of those elements of going out and, and acquiring customers or marketing to customers, but can use our platform to do what they love to do, which is to manufacture, that's really attractive as well. And, and is there a sense that maybe that like, if I would build my own brand, I understand if, I, if I'm only good at manufacturing, I don't do marketing well, then it would be the, the, the perfect deal. But imagine I do a working on a platform for 10 years. I don't have a brand. I do everything on Zometry. And then, you know, I get a bad score and all of a sudden I go below, below a 5.0 and then, you know, nobody uses me ever again. Is, is that, is that like there's a dis- dependency, isn't there? There is, but it's not in our best interest to 
you know, somebody who's been doing great for 10 years, <laughs> you wouldn't want to pick them off because they have a bad, I mean, it, it, we're there to help the sellers. It, it goes back to your question in the beginning. The power of the Zonich mm-hmm. marketplace for our buyers is the sellers. Mm-hmm. So it, it would be counterproductive for us to be punitive. Uh, that said, we want to help and ensure that our sellers are producing the quality and, 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 and on time. So uh, we're going to work with that seller if they're having issues and try to push them uh, up and, and, and start performing again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turning and burning sellers or buyers you know, is obviously counterproductive. No, oh, yeah, totally, totally. But I think that with the Amazon, uh, you know, Amazon had this period when it was doing a lot of premium brands, and now it's doing a lot of very, very low cost kind of people to replace and, and compete with those people they used to help. So, you know, in, in that kind of a, there is a, there is this, you know, the, if you are very aggressive uh, on your own expansion, you might end up hurting the people you help or you help. So, look, it's a good point, and the and the the, uh, the comparison to Amazon only for us goes so far, and and so look, right. we, we we you know. We, we are not intending to, to build giant manufacturing plants and, and uh, supplant what our, what, our, uh, what our sellers are doing or replace them with low cost. Mm-hmm. You, you have to also understand that a lot of what we do, you know, aerospace, uh, medical devices, robotics, I mean, these are, are orders that require, um, you know, the highest of competencies. Often, uh, you know, these are things that have to be done domestically for for security reasons. Some customers are looking for the lowest price, but the vast majority of our customers are looking for their parts to be done right and mm-hmm. for this to be done as easily as, as possible in terms of procurement hassle and, and worry. So um, mm-hmm. that's really their their priority. Price price and is always important, but it's it's not a retail site where you know you're trying to get another two percent by buying a quart of milk from Amazon mm-hmm. versus Walmart. It, it's a, it's a, the dynamics of the industry are, are radically different, as, as you guys. Mm-hmm. But but then I think it's interesting that because you do guarantee this customer service and stuff, you do have to have a lot of domain knowledge about, like for example, metal printing and aerospace and that kind of thing. So how do you develop that knowledge internally to make sure that you you know know how to work with the customers and and how to how to do that customer service uh, stuff really well? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and uh, you know, partly we try to do that in our software. So we offer uh, customers feedback, and, and as, you know, we're we're always trying to work on that to make it so it's a so the customer themselves can get that can get that feedback in, in real time. And, and just that point, we do integrations with some of the leading CAD programs like SolidWorks, uh, Inventor, Fusion three hundred and sixty. So the uh, the buyer, the engineer, can access us directly within those CAD programs as he is he or she are designing their parts and see feedback. When they're designing parts, like that's too big to print, or or that's not available, or, or you know you can't uh, that, do that kind of finish, etc. That that that's available within those CAD programs as well as on our site. Uh, so we're trying to enhance, always enhance that online or or digital feedback, and we also recruit domain experts in our company. And and uh, you know I think that's what makes Dometry also unique that we have such a interesting group of folks here. We obviously have a, a very large software team. Uh, so we've got software engineers, but then we've also got a lot of mechanical uh, and material science engineers. You know, so we're, engineering is is a as a broad uh, capability for us here in many different domains, and uh, one of some of which are the, being those those subject matter experts you referenced. 
Okay, okay. I think that'll be good. And then, so we did, you talked a little bit about geographical expansion. I mean, you do you offer already a lot of different technologies. What other ways are you going to expand? Are you going to be doing more and more services, or, or moving more into like an EMS kind of thing, or, or, or what kind of what's the future like in that sense? Yeah. So I think on the uh, let me break it up between the buyers and the sellers. So for the yeah, sellers, please. for the sellers, it's going to be uh, continuing. You know, almost operate like the Shopify. For that, that Shopify has done for their customer base. So more and more things to help enable our sellers' businesses. And again, today we, we focus on helping them reduce their operating costs through the purchase of supplies. We are constantly launching or, or consistently launching new financial products. So that's where our focus has been. But there will be other products coming that will enable, it, uh, enable them to, uh, to, for it to be easier and easier for our sellers to operate and, and expand. Um, and likewise, on the buyer side, you know, we've been launching things like integrations. Not only do we have these CAD integrations, we're making it easy for the engineer to access us right within their, their, their favorite CAD program, but we're also doing integrations with our customers' ERP systems, or our buyer's ERP systems. So if they're in Ariba, instead of having to come to the Zometry website, you're a procurement person, instead of coming to our website and uploading a PO, you can actually, right within Ariba, do what's called a punch app and actually purchase from us right there. And the two systems are, are, are speaking or interacting uh, electronically. And, and so we're going to be doing more and more of those integrations. So the cost is reduced for procurement and the speed is, is, is increased as well, just making it easier and easier. And then we'll continue to add, you know, we, we offer all these manufacturing technologies today, but as you guys know, there's lots of stripes to that, lots of flavors to it, lots of materials, lots of finishes. Last Last quarter in, in Q2, we added 60 new materials, finishes, and processes. So in that mechanical space, we're going to continue to add more and more uh, to it, uh, including exciting 3D printing technologies as they emerge. We, we're just uh, adding now more and more, for example, in binder jetting uh, and, and other technologies. And then we're also doing more things like assemblies. So as we talked about in our, our, our Q2 earnings call, we gave a couple of examples in uh, ag tech and in, in consumer where we're doing full assemblies or the marketplace is doing full assemblies. So it's not just a one-off part, but it's multiple parts together with off-the-shelf parts, which we're putting together. One thing is interesting because you, you, you mentioned you were kind of like a, uh, an aggregate marketplace or you, you, you bought or you gave people scale on, on, uh, on the sense of, 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 of putting all these orders together and allowing them to get lower prices. But you could also, like for example, buy raw materials, right? together with all of your clients or buy 3D printers and CNC machines together with all of your, uh, your, your, your platform partners. Is that something you're thinking about or? No, and, and exactly. And on the supply side, that's exactly what we're doing today. So we're enabling because we have because we're representing the purchasing power of, we had 1400, 1440 active sellers in, in, uh, in 2020, we're representing, you know, a much bigger, uh, group to purchase things like aluminum, mm -hmm. so that ah, enables uh, that enables our sellers to buy aluminum from us mm -hmm. at a significantly reduced price than if they bought it on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we absolutely and we're, and we're doing that in other other parts of the MRO world. But to your to your question, you know, it would be logical to expand that to actual equipment, capital equipment, whether it's printers or, or you know, mills, etc. Uh, to do the same thing. So y yes, that, that is certainly where we are today and where we will continue to expand and push the envelope.
Is it, are you seeing more sellers signing up for the platform and then the buyers are coming or the buyers like coming in bigger droves and you're having to find more sellers on some level? You know, we're, we're and it's important, as you can imagine, in a marketplace to orchestrate the growth of both the buyers and the sellers. But, you know, yeah. knock on wood, we've, we've been fortunate to see pretty rapid growth in both. So as I mentioned, uh, the stat we published is 82% growth in active sellers from 2019 to 2020. On the buyer side, we uh, have got some quarterly metrics that we publish. So in uh, Q2, we saw year-over-year growth in active buyers of 66%. Um, and we also have a metric where we track the number of, of, of accounts that are spending more than $50,000 with us on a last 12-month basis. So in Q2, we saw year-over-year growth in that metric of 54%. So not only do we have more and more active buyers, but the accounts themselves are spending more and more money. So that's helped us continue to grow our, our revenue so rapidly. And um, so that's on the buyer side again, lots more active sellers too. And have you seen a huge effect from the supply chain crunch? Um, I mean, everyone has, but I'm just wondering if you're somehow able to navigate slightly around that because you can, they can choose from all these different sellers and buyers. Look, we were growing very rapidly uh, from 2018 to 2020. Uh, Zometry had, uh, I think, 92% compound annual growth rate. So we were growing very rapidly uh, during that period already, you know, before COVID. And certainly mm -hmm. after, uh, as we are emerging from COVID, of course, we're still not out of it, but as emerging from COVID, uh, you know, we've been growing rapidly too. So I, I would say our trajectory has been similar. Uh, but what has certainly changed is a, a, a growing awareness by buyers of the need for resilient localized supply chains. So the fact that that there could be these black swan events such as COVID, obviously climate change, we're going to see a lot of those uh, and more and more of those where your traditional uh, source, whether it was in a, in a state, you know, we're in 42 different states in the United States, one state may shut down mm -hmm. or maybe in a different country. Uh, so the ability to access something like the Zometry Marketplace to protect yourself against that uh, it, it is is certainly a, a powerful value proposition. Mm -hmm. And are you able to like offer them like resilience in, are you able to say we can find you two suppliers in any one sense? Or are you functioning more as like the backup or the other supplier to, to, to other companies? How does that work then? You know, going back to what we discussed in the meeting in the end, we're going to guarantee the price, the quality and the delivery. So if, if, if the, if one seller has a problem and it could be like i said a black swan thing it could be a fire you know the fires in california or it could be just because they're a small company they have financial risk or somebody gets sick we're gonna we're gonna always guarantee that we'll source you know if that if the first seller doesn't make it that the second seller will but we also are if they if 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 we we would recommend we'll recommend and and sometimes the buyer themselves will ask for it to multi-source a particular order mm -hmm. um then we'll do that as well. And we've done that in numerous occasions, particularly for larger orders uh, mm -hmm. of more standardized parts. Uh, mm -hmm. That often that often happens to, to mitigate the risk right out of the gate for, for, for the buyer. And these days, what are you considering larger orders in terms of quantity? Are you seeing people ordering millions of parts from you guys? Or is it still... No, I mean, yeah. look, we're going to separate <laughs> for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. But when you get into contract manufacturing, then right. you're going to go to a contract manufacturer. Right. Then we're done. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting as well that, that, well, okay, you guys are, well, you're, you're growing and you're, you're, you're the, 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 the brand for this. And, and 
and you're going to continue to grow into many, many more technologies. Uh, but how do you actually get like, cause I can understand as a startup person, I think, I think Zometry would be very exciting, but like as somebody like a really large car company or something like that, how do you win them over as a customer? Cause they would be, would they be skeptical first for this platform thing or do they completely get it initially or do they just use you a little bit or something like that? How does that work? No, they, they, and it's counterintuitive to some folks, but the largest companies are usually our largest customers. And that's because they're buying so much manufacturing a year that, and, 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 and they're a trying to reduce the number of, of suppliers or vendors they're dealing with. Right. So if you're a fortune 500 company or a fortune 10 company, you're dealing with you know thousands of them. You want to reduce that number. It's just too much for you to manage. Um, and then you're also looking at your portfolio of purchases to that contract manufacturing down to the smaller quantities and trying to figure out how do I how do I simplify this so I can focus on the millions of orders you know parts and for all these other ones which could be hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or less how do I simplify that? So for those Fortune 500 companies, the ease of use being going back to your question from the beginning about being that one-stop shop, being able to source this whole chunk of work that was usually so labor-intensive, so fraught with risk because you, were, because you had to depend on these small manufacturers to take that whole chunk and to move it into the marketplace, that's, that's very appealing. Um, so those customers are, are usually the ones who get it the fastest and often are the ones that we're growing, you know, that we're growing very rapidly within. So. Mm-hmm. And how do you incentivize these customers, the buyers, to not, you know, they buy from you, say, like once, and they're like, oh, I like that place. And then they just directly reach out, try and skirt around the Zometry model. Because they're not coming to us for vendor discovery. Mm. So they're not coming to our site to find another name, another person. They're coming to the marketplace to get their orders fulfilled. And and most of our customers have been around longer than we have. They know the landscape already. They've come to us because they don't want to have to manage scores of small manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And and now we're a public company. Uh, we've got a very healthy balance sheet. We've got the governance and, and transparency of a public company. We went the traditional way. Uh, we were able to do that because of our scale and of our and of our market leadership. And so to be able to take something that used to depend on these smaller manufacturers and the risk associated with it and now to have as a partner a public company that's that that's what they want they're not they, they don't want to they don't want to give that up it, 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 i would give an analogy like on in certain websites where there are third-party sellers let's say like the amazon website uh even when you know you have transparency you're buying from a third party uh even if that third party marketed to you how often do you actually order directly from that third party Right. The ease and use and use of the of the platform of the of the Amazon marketplace wins you over. So that's again one of the things. The analogy with Amazon is imperfect, but in terms of the ease of use and the customer experience, that's one of the things that that we're building. I, I've used your platform, so I will say I've enjoyed the simplicity of it. Where we did both, where we went to Zometry and we reached out to like ten suppliers, and it was so much more pleasant. Just go to Zometry rather than having to deal with a headache as you describe it of getting quotes from 10 different people and then like comparing it all and being like, that's not quite right, but fine. So, yeah, awesome. Thank you. So, so how did you come to found the business then? This is the question we actually started off. Yeah, with. we started with this and then we went off on our tangents. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I did start my career in banking and, and private equity. And then in 2000, in 2000, I kind of 
decided to change uh, change or shift gears and move out of financial services and become an entrepreneur. I got the bug pretty pretty late in life. I was uh, thirty um, and had not been particularly entrepreneurial before that at all. Entrepreneurial before that, and uh, but the appeal of building something was just uh, really appealing uh, and interesting. And so this is my third company, and and my previous two companies were also focused on taking large industries that hadn't been impacted by technology and applying technology to provide efficiency and, and frankly, improve them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we came to Zometry, uh, and now we're going to go full circle of 3D printing, my co-founder, Lawrence Zerf, and I uh, were hearing about, 3D, this was in 2013, we're hearing about 3D printing and got very intrigued. And like, wow, like this is really cool. And we started then meeting with uh, 3D printing bureaus, but then also lots of other small manufacturers and, and kind of realized that, that to, to a large extent, the base of American manufacturing are these small manufacturers. 75% of American manufacturers have less than 20 employees. So we started traveling around all around the country, meeting with these manufacturers. It's very nice of them to meet with us and finding out about the, sort of their trials and tribulations. And, and at the same time, we met with lots of customers to figure out what, what their pain points were. And that's when we kind of realized, hey, 3D printing is interesting, but it's part of a much larger problem or opportunity, which is this highly inefficient uh, industry that is offline. And 3D printing makes it easy to go online, but for machining and these other ones, it's a lot harder. And that's also where we realized to create a marketplace, you needed the instant pricing. And that's where building the machine learning algorithms um, and that technology became paramount. Otherwise, it's not much of a marketplace. You go there and, and they say, hey, we'll be back to you in a couple of days or weeks and stuff. We, as much as we possibly can, we need to provide an instant price. And, and similarly, w- one thing that we heard from manufacturers, small manufacturers, was they hated to quote things and lose. And right. so uh, it, the price was not only a problem for the buyer, but it was also a problem for the seller because it was manual for them. So in our marketplace, we not only give the customer an instant price, but once he or she buys, we then turn around, we use our our algorithms to find or identify the right manufacturers for those particular parts, and then we give them an instant price. So, and if they're the, you know, and often we'll give multiple uh, manufacturers the opportunity to make it. If you're the first one to press the button, you get the job. So you're not wasting your time bidding on stuff that you lose. If you get that, if you if you press it first, it's your job. And that was also really appealing to them because they just don't have the time to waste on things they're not going to win. Yeah. No, I know, I know that's a sense. big frustration for a lot of people. But so I, I think for 3D printing, I've spent a lot of time working on pricing models for 3D printing. I know it's like almost impossible, or you need to come up with like a proxy, like we did at Shapeways, where we were just like volume, that's it, you know, and then hope it works on aggregate, and hope it works on aggregate. But then at least everyone will understand it, right? But um, or you could like slice and dice it and make it like really complicated, like uh, you know, maximum volume of uh, you know, twenty percent of this and all this really complicated. But how do you price CNC? Because that's actually really difficult. It's really geometry dependent. How does that work? We try to, and again, we use a, a technique called machine, machine learning. We use something called deep learning. And so it starts with identifying what, are we think, what we think are the features that drive the price. So let me be clear. We don't actually try to figure out how long the mill is going to run and, and all mm-hmm. those things. That, that would be impossible to do at scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, we try to figure out, like, what are the features of a particular, you know, in a CAD file? 
or when the customer asks, answers questions, they want a particular finish, et cetera. So some of it's asked to the customer, particularly post-processing, but some of it's identified in the CAD files themselves. What are the features that drive price? Mm -hmm. And then we train on those features. Mm -hmm. We basically try to, we try to then take a given part or set of parts and break them out, identify those features, and then price price them based on what we, we've seen other similar parts of those features be priced at. And you mix and match because not any one part doesn't have the same two features, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so you sort of extrapolate out what you think the price will be. Mm -hmm. um, the more data you get, the more jobs you do, the more likely you are to get the price right. Uh, because you're going to be more accurate. And price being right is what is truly the cost by the sellers to make that part. And, and, and then also, not only that, but also what's the price that, that, that clears the day and, and the buyer buys from it. So it's very data dependent. It's, it's dependent on identifying the right features. And we've got a team of computational geometrists who help us do that. But it's also about just scale of data to be able to, uh, figure out what really is that right number. And uh, that's also why over time, our gross margins have improved really nicely. They grew 700 basis points or 7% from 2018, to 2020. And uh, we've got into some great growth in Q3 and Q4 of this year as well. Uh, one of the reasons why we've done that is because we're getting more and more data and we're getting quote unquote smarter and smarter. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Anyway, so, so you were traveling the country, meeting with these people, the opportunity is clear. How do you then move from that to actually building this? Well, you know, like I said, I built two other companies. So I, uh, this is kind of, guess what I do for a living now. So I, uh, together with, with Lawrence, my co-founder, uh, I lived in Maryland and it's also a great place to, there's a good customer base here. Uh, as you can imagine, particularly in the defense uh, industry, it's also a great place to recruit talent, lots of, uh, wonderful educational institutions here. Uh, and so we just, we put down our flag and, uh, you know, uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland is, uh, a, a, a great area here. It has some, some nice industrial parks, low cost place to start. It's the fastest growing city in Maryland. A lot of people don't know that. And, uh, and just start in Gaithersburg, Maryland to build the business. And, uh, I had, I'd had been success. I had been successful in my previous two companies. They had been bought by two public companies. My first one had been bought by R. Donnelly and Second one had been bought by uh, Ingram Micro. Uh, Ingram's now a private company, but they were. And so I had a group of angel investors who had invested with me in my first two companies. So Lawrence and I both invested our own money, and, and that angel group uh, joined us, and we just started. Mm -hmm. And uh, that we opened our doors for business in 2014, and they've just been at it ever since. Were there any key key moments where it was like kind of make or break moments for you guys, or? You know, it, every day is a key moment. And, <laughs> and, and as I'm sure every entrepreneur and you, you've experienced, there's so many highs and so many lows. I, I, I think the key to our success is just consistency, never letting up and realizing that it is every day. It's like, it's like being a parent, right? There's no shortcuts. I've got three kids. It's like, am I there for them every day? Uh, it's those daily tasks that make all the difference. And it's the same thing for us. It's just constantly moving forward. Uh, it's also, you know, we've we've grown every single quarter, quarter over quarter uh, since we started Zometry. There's there was one exception, so it's creating that culture of we need to grow, uh, and not just because we want to grow, but also because this is such a ginormous industry, and there's so much room for us to grow. And the more that we grow, the more we get that data, the more buyers and sellers we add, the better our value proposition will be. So 
creating a culture where people are comfortable with constant growth and not afraid to take chances, uh, constantly trying to innovate, not resting on our laurels. Uh, that you know, the night we went public, I went. I was in New York City with, with Lawrence, and and we went out. And we went to Shake Shack to celebrate. Um, you know, just having that kind of mentality, I think, is is you know, is is how we've succeeded. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like like two things. I mean, a lot of people kind of think of like key moments as as we're used to that being like key moments, kind of like key developments or something like that. But just like doing the daily thing right is actually something that I think is not a lot of people, not enough people speak about that. I mean, especially if you're like kind of like in a platform type of business or kind of like a utility, you have to be, you know, you have to win every day kind of, you know? You do. And and look, we're always, as I mentioned, we release 60 new processes and feature. Uh, and finishes, et cetera. We're always releasing new technology innovation, but not there's not one winning thing. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it is just as you said, it, it's a combination and you've got to constantly be testing and, and monitoring and, and adapting mm-hmm. and changing. Um, otherwise, you, you're just not going to win. Yeah. And I also think it's very interesting that like Silicon Valley used to be the the number one place to start your startup. I think it may still make sense for a particular type of startup. But I think you know, I, I know that you're you're going to be able to pay your people less than if they're in Silicon Valley. Your people are going to all be able to rent bigger places or even buy bigger houses. I mean, is that a really big advantage to not be in Silicon Valley now? I think I think it is, but I would say, unfortunately, because so many people now, you know, uh, because people are have gone so remote, and mm-hmm. I think that's in, in to a large extent that's going to be a, a, an endearing uh, trend. Uh, people are being hired everywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, that advantage that uh, that we may, I mean, I think we have other advantages, but I think the geographic advantage, I think that's disappearing mm-hmm. because the Silicon Valley firms are now hiring engineers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Your, your, your coworkers are all in Bali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, where do you hope to, to be with the business? Like if you're looking at five years from now, where do you hope to be? Uh, well, we got into some very specific uh, business metrics, but I would just say, uh, Ultimately, we want to be for both our buyers and our sellers, their enterprise solution. So for the buyers, that means if you've got on-demand or custom manufacturing needs, you're just going to use us. Like We're the default. We're the rails for you to buy all of this stuff. And we've earned that right. Uh, and likewise, on the seller side, that it is easier for you to run your business via the Zometry Marketplace than on your own, that we're helping you grow your business. We're helping you uh, become more profitable. Um, and so I think when that happens, when, when, when you see, you know, ultimately it would be fabulous to see a surge in small manufacturers and manufacturing. If we can contribute to that and make that happen, that's going to be a very, a very proud moment. Uh, and it'll be a win-win for, for, for both our customers and our manufacturers. Okay. Well, great. Very ambitious. Very lovely. Um, well, thank you so much for, for being here today, Randy. Well, thanks so much for having me. And Max, thank you for being here today as well. Yeah, always fun. And thank you for listening. And uh, my name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. Have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.